All right, we are live. Welcome in latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton, live from a new studio here, trying to get it set up. Appreciate you, Anthony, already in here on the comments. We missed y'all yesterday. Missed y'all. <laughs> One day off, but we're back. And but I am flying solo, as you could probably tell already. Uh, cousin Shane on vacation. He's on vacation from a show he barely shows up to anyway. But he's on vacation all this week. He'll be back next week. And I think he's going to be back to more of a regular schedule where he's on all the time once he's back from vacation. So uh, appreciate you. Michael Riley, yep, new OC for Florida. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. Uh, the NCAA goes down big time thanks to Tennessee. So uh, we'll get into that in a second. We got all kinds of coaching news and comments. Missouri has already started spring football. We got comments from Drink. Auburn is starting this week as well. Many others right around the corner. Got some South Carolina comments as well. And hey, but one thing that Cousin Shane and I were over the moon about, obviously, is this uh, NCAA video game. And, the, and just the more news drops, the more exciting, the more nostalgia I feel for growing up. I mean, that's how I... Came to love college football is through the EA Sports video game, and now it's coming back. And we've got another update here from Chris Fowler. He's going to be in the game. Kurt Herbstreit's going to be in the game. Unfortunately, Desmond Howard, I believe, is going to be in the game. <laughs> but uh, David Pollock is, and some others, Jesse Palmer. So they're, I, I imagine they're going to have like an A crew, a B crew. And then if you recall, Back in the day, there were some games that were bad enough. They didn't even put them on TV, didn't have announcers. That'll probably be continuing as well. But I just wanted to share this clip that Chris Fowler of ESPN put out and all the the attention to detail that is being put into this video game by EA Sports. Let's get over to Chris Fowler. This is a video he posted over the weekend. I'll tell you about what's been going on behind closed doors here in the smallest room in the house for about two years. Voiceover sessions for EA Sports CFB 25. Microphone, digital recorder, laptop, where they have Zoom calls where guys from EA are engineering and directing these sessions. It has been fun. It's been taxing sometimes, monotonous at other times, because everything you could possibly see in a football game, even the mundane plays, I've said into that microphone many, many different ways. Bunch of stuff you'd never see in a real game. I've described. You want to punt on second down, uh, try a 71-yard field goal, that's in the game, too, along with the appropriate analysis of those decisions. Your quarterback throws five picks in the first quarter or five touchdowns. We got you covered there, too, in detail. People have asked, when my team scores a touchdown, will there be appropriate excitement like a real game? Hell yes. EA insists on realism. I sat here in an hour and said, touchdown, Alabama, all the way down to touchdown, Wyoming, along with the version for the team nicknames. It was like a month of touchdown calls in an hour. I needed the tea for the voice. Uh, Kirk and I have had joint sessions playing off each other like we would in a real booth. There's going to be incredible detail. What I've seen of the game will blow people away and really excited for you to see it. Probably can't answer most of your questions about the game, but uh, I know it's going to be great. Can't wait. And then someone put this together. I was trying to figure out who actually did this. I think they deleted their account. This went so viral, but... Is Cousin Shane going to be in the game? Fingers crossed he will be one day, but we found a way to work him into it one way right here. EA Sports. What's going on? 
<laughs> so there's your little cousin Shane update live from the beach down there. Uh, he's in Florida, I believe, is where he's at today. So, cousin Shane, we're missing you. But hey, some people wonder why? Why in the hell are you guys talking all about this video game? This is going to be huge. This is going to be good for the sport. And we even have coaches like Eli Drinkwitz opening spring getting asked about the college football game. We got more on, on Missouri and Coach Drink in just a minute. But here is Coach asked about the NCAA video game, and he's even throwing shade that Missouri was not listed as one of the top 10 offenses in the country despite having one of the highest-rated players, Luther Burden. I guess he's getting that from our show. So I do appreciate you, Coach. Let's kick it over to Drink who's talking about the uh, the impact that this game will have on Missouri and all of college football. I just saw where the top 10 playbooks Missouri's offense wasn't listed, which is absolutely insanity to me. Um, how Kirby Moore's offense isn't listed as top 10 offense after going 11-2 and two with a quarterback who's ranked in the top nine in the 90s. And I think Luther's got one of the highest rankings on there. And that would make sense that, that offense was the top 10. So now I don't pay attention to it. No, I think it's really important for us uh, anytime that we can put and market our brand, right? Um, and so if you're going to have EA Sports, it's it's not a complete game unless you tell the story of Mizzou football and, and the players that we have here. And obviously, I think it's a great opportunity for our guys to opt in, um, to receive money, receive a free game. You know, I think sometimes it's um, catch-22 when people are saying, well, it's they're not being valued enough compared to what? compared to not having the game and you're not able to opt in or now you get an opportunity to be paid and get to play the game for free. So, you know, I think sometimes um, opportunities have to be seized. Um, and as the game increases, then maybe there's opportunities for them to do more with it. But I think it's a great thing for college sports. As a guy who grew up playing college football on Sega Genesis, I'm excited for it to come back, although I don't know how to play on these new game consoles. You, uh, you, <laughs> you know you're old with uh, the coaches are referencing a game system that you started on as well. So thanks, Coach, for, for that. Now I really feel old. But, uh, I mean, yeah, he makes a hell of a point. I mean, th th this is just going to be so good for everybody. And, and it ha if you haven't seen it already, over 5,000 players in the first 24 hours opted into being in the game. At this point in time, I'd be surprised if there's any big names that aren't in the game. They're getting paid. They're getting a free copy of the game. And as I understand it, they they don't have the capability because there's thousands upon thousands of players in the game. They're not going to scan each individual player's faces. But what they are going to do is put in the photo that the school uses as their official bio. So that'll be in the game. And then they'll scan that and use that to model the player's faces for the game. So they... Oh, babe, 2024 is just a, a year of, of newness for college football, specifically for the SEC. With Oklahoma and Texas coming in, the expanded playoff, no divisions, get our video game back. I mean, this will be the best. We say it every year, but this will be the best day of year of SEC football to date, especially when half the 12-team playoff is SEC teams. Can't wait for it. And what team that may be in a – the playoff now that they've defeated the NCAA. We got to start with this. NCAA goes down yet again in another court case. I don't know why in the hell the NCAA keeps trying to go to court with all this stuff because they're just going to lose each and every time. And the latest victory comes thanks to Tennessee. And due to this, there is 
no restrictions whatsoever on NIL right now. Inducements, completely fine. And there's no restrictions on the transfer portal. So if you thought it was bad before, it is officially the law of the land right now. You can use NIL as an inducement thanks to Tennessee beating the NCAA in court. The NCAA can appeal this, but while they're appealing it, uh, and they have not even officially done that yet. So I, I know they're just going to get pants in the courtroom once again if they appeal this. So I, I don't even know that that's going to take place. The NCAA is hoping that Congress is going to give them a bailout here. But this, this is a monumental ruling because, again, there's no restrictions on NIL. Boosters, all this, is all perfectly legal. Nothing that Tennessee's done, nothing that any of these schools because they're all doing it, maybe not as blatant as the deal that Nico got, but hell, they're all doing it. All the big time schools that are handing out these NIL deals, it you could you could call it not an inducement or, or not, but I mean that's again, I don't think there's very many players that are making decisions solely on money. I think they, you know, I'm not naive to say these players aren't getting paid, but if Florida's offering five hundred thousand and Georgia's offering five hundred twenty thousand. I don't think there's many players that are just jumping at the highest offer. I, I really don't. And I don't even think – I'm just using those two as an example because I think Alabama and Georgia are getting outbid a lot of the times. And because of Kirby Smart, because of Nick Saban, they're still able to win out a lot more often than not. And that's why you saw a mass exodus from Alabama because they don't have that Nick Saban bump anymore. And Georgia still gets it due to Kirby Smart. So – I don't know. I mean, I I just think this is a great day for college football because again, this is what this is how Ole Miss and Missouri, a big part of why they have playoff aspirations in 2024. And this was the NCAA trying to kneecap Tennessee, who's trying to get into that conversation. If Nico's a superstar, I don't care what they paid him; he he's worth it. If they get to the college football playoff, if they if they're able to beat Alabama and Oklahoma, and Maybe even Georgia. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but if he's otherworldly, if he's the next Tua, the next Tebow, Tennessee's going to be in those conversations. He's worth every damn penny he's getting, and this is America. And if someone says you're worth $20 million, then you're worth $20 million. Someone says you're worth $1 million, you're worth a million. I mean, the NCAA's got no power to step in to tell people what they're worth or not worth under their archaic rules, and that's exactly what this court in East Tennessee says and that's the way it is now all across college football. So I couldn't be more happy for it. And speaking of that, I mean, it's a completely different case. But, you know, there's all kinds of allegations. Caden Green, one of the most up-and-coming, rising freshman offensive linemen in the country. Well, how in the hell did he get to Missouri? Oh, my God, they're paying so much. Oklahoma's so mad. Drake addressed... Not specifically, but he asked. This is the first time he got to talk about Caden Green, who officially signed with Missouri. He's going to start out at left tackle for the Missouri Tigers and drink a little dagger here for them Sooners. He begins with Caden Green, offensive tackle from Kansas City, um, coming to us from Oklahoma. He played in 11 games last year, had five starts. As a guy that we think has position flexibility, but will we'll begin the, the uh, spring term as a left tackle. Uh, very excited about his length, speed, uh, athleticism. Also excited about his tenacity. Uh, and it's always fun to see all the talk about him on Twitter. <laughs> he just had to throw that little dagger in there. You know what? After 
stealing away Oklahoma's most promising lineman. But, hey, that's the world of NIL. You get your NIL in order, or this is going to happen more often than not. And I think that was a uh, somewhat of a wake-up call for the Sooners. Now, I'm sure they'll respond. They'll probably steal some guys right back, from maybe not from Missouri, but from somebody. So I just thought that was hilarious. And, uh, you know, a big talking point all offseason is going to be how will Missouri handle expectations? I mean, you look at their schedule, seeing other people already hit this up in the comments here, but, I mean, who in the hell is going to beat Missouri? They get Murray State, Buffalo, Boston College, and Vanderbilt right out the gate all at home. I mean, if they're not 4-0, I'd be stunned. At A&M, which that's going to be a difficult game, but Mike Elko first year, UMass on the road, how in the hell that's on the road, I don't know. But worst case, we're sitting here 5-1. and one. Auburn at home, you know, how good is Auburn going to be? I, I think Missouri is better than Auburn, so let's give them 6-1. and one. At Alabama, that'll be a big game. Not likely to be favored, but we don't know what in the hell Alabama is this year. Two weeks to prepare for a home game against Oklahoma. At South Carolina, at Mississippi State, and home for Arkansas. If I'm a Mizzou fan... I mean, I think worst-case scenario is 10-2, and two, which is what we were last year. And that's I think that's good enough to get you in the college football playoff. And I, I just said worst case. Now, and it, assuming no key injuries or anything like that, but, oh, man. So how do they fight complacency after winning 11 games next year? I thought this was a great answer from Drake during his uh, opener here to spring. Yeah, honestly, I don't think we've had to, to deal with that at all. Um, I think whenever you have enough um, ripples in your organization or brotherhood through changes, it creates a sense of urgency. I know for me personally it has, and I think for our team um, it's done the same thing. I think there's also been that ripple effect of being able to watch um, our players compete in the senior bowl and at the combine, and there's a sense of it's my turn now. Uh, it's my opportunity now to go achieve what I've always dreamed about achieving. Um, but they also realized that that didn't just wish to happen. Uh, our, our players that are at the combine or that are getting ready for pro day, they work their butt off for a year. We're completely dedicated and bought into, hey, if I come back this season and dedicate myself, I can put myself in a position to play at an elite level. And you look at the, the, the conversations with Darius Robinson right now, um, in what he did for his draft stock at the Senior Bowl, uh, not only him, but Chris Abrams Drain, Ennis Raystraw, Cody Sh uh, Schrader, you know, Javon Foster, um, Tyron Hopper. These guys are going to continue to rise up the boards because not only have they shown good tape, but they also show good work ethic. And I think our team is seeing that. And whether that's been a commitment to nutrition, um, with Joseph Charleston or a commitment to doing extra um, with Brady Cook and Luther Burden and Theo Weiss um, or Christian Williams, you're seeing that next wave of leaders and setting the tone for what the standard is. Um, you know, if you get caught around patting yourself on the back for last year, you're going to be really disappointed. And so I don't think uh, anybody is, is sitting around staring at the Cotton Bowl trophy. All right. So. We'd like for everybody to come celebrate Saturday night at the basketball game for it, but that's not our focus right now. No one sitting around celebrating the Cotton Bowl trophy. Imagine Drink saying that a year ago when 
I don't believe he had a winning record in any season at Mizzou, and he didn't have a bowl win. And now we're sitting here, New Year's Six Day win over Ohio State, who I, I realize completely different team. They've added a lot via the portal, but a lot of people have Ohio State as the second, third best team in the country, and just you know, beat them in a bowl game. I mean, <laughs> talk about expectations being. Uh, elevated, you know, in a season. Cotton says he's Andy Bernard from the office. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's a popular one there for drink. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can't wait. There's, so there's going to be a lot more spring comments coming. I, I believe Hugh Freeze meets with the media on Thursday. There's going to be more of these coaches coming throughout uh, the days and weeks to come. So, hey, we finally got some football back, Missouri and Auburn first off, and then we'll have more and more as. Spring football all across the SEC opens up. I know it's basketball season, but not here. Now, here it's spring football season. And speaking of that, you know, one that uh, we hit on, but I, I missed this press conference. I went back and watched it today. Sean Elliott back at South Carolina as a tight ends coach. He was a Georgia State head coach. We'll get a little bit more on Georgia State in just a second. But I thought this comment really stood out. Sean Elliott was asked about, you know, what stood out to him about the Gamecocks, his time there, coming back. I think – I just thought uh, South Carolina fans would really appreciate these comments from Sean Elliott. Sean, uh, obviously you had a very eventful run here at South Carolina the first time. You hear a lot of positives, negatives, that kind of thing. What do you – what stands out to you? What do you remember most about your time here at South Carolina before going to Georgia State? The fans. I mean, the most passionate fan base you can, you can have. Um, you know, that was, uh, that was something that we, we just didn't have a lot of at Georgia State. And I, and I just – the support here in South Carolina is incredible. It, it's, it's, it's not matched a lot of places across the country. And, and the love that they have for the Gamecocks and the University of South Carolina is something that you just see. I mean, it's just evident every single day, everywhere you go. Um, just me coming back here in the last couple of days, I, I mean – I can't go anywhere. I mean, there's Gamecocks everywhere. There's just us. And they're so fired up. I mean, they're, 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 I don't know if you call it hunger or passion, but they have it. And they've always had it. I mean, since, since the time I was a, a small child walking into williams Bryce Stadium for the very first time, I felt it, and I feel it to this day. And I can, I can honestly tell you when we walk in for that spring game, it's going to be there. And then for that that home opener, but uh, it's it's the fans, and there's so many other things that I can talk about. Uh, my experience here before was incredible. Uh, there was not a day uh, th that I can look back on and tell you there was a day I regretted being at the University of South Carolina. It was it was fantastic. I love this uh, comment from Sandman. He says, "So lots of cocks here." <laughs> That's what stood out to old Sean Elliott, who. He was so he was Georgia State's head coach in Atlanta, but his family stayed in Columbia and he commuted to all their events, high school football games and cheerleading events and things of that nature. So, I mean, his family never left there for seven years. He was down at Georgia State. So clearly, yeah, I see people in the comments saying, "Well, it's lift lift service," or he's just pandering. The family stayed. I mean, they must really love it down there in Columbia. And, and again, he was a head coach. Now he's a tight ends coach. Uh, now he may have been gotten fired in another 12 months, but he took a job. So that's, I just thought that was noteworthy, but, uh, how about Georgia real quick? A lot of coaching turnover 
for Kirby Smart this offseason and a, and a lot of key recruiters. Fran Brown, obviously now the Syracuse coach. He was defensive backs coach. Will Muschamp, defensive coordinator. He's retired, what have you. Receivers coach Brian McClendon went to the NFL. Running backs coach Del McGee. So he's the one that took over at Georgia State as head coach. And Scott Cochran, the special teams coordinator. So a lot of star power, a lot of elite recruiters leaving Athens. This could be a real test for Kirby Smart and company. I think they're going to be fine, obviously, the next couple of years. But we'll see the true impact, I think, of these guys leaving if they don't hire some ace recruiters behind them. Because these are some of the best of the best in the entire country. I, re I remember on a recent show we talked about Fran Brown. He got named... I think it was 24-7 sports had him as uh, the recruiter of the year. So this is a, a this is an offseason that could kind of make or break a potential dynasty. It really could. And I'm not hitting the panic button or anything like that, but it's just a situation to monitor. When you lose that many good coaches, that many good recruiters, Georgia already well on their way, though, to, to kind of refill in those voids. Got T-Rob, of course. I mean, he's as good a recruiter as anybody probably out there that I just mentioned. And they got James Coley, who was at South Carolina for about five minutes. They thought so much for, of him, they bumped Justin Stepp to tight ends coach, and he bolted for Illinois. So I just think it's funny how a lot of these fans and a lot of media and stuff, they give these players such a hard time for their lack of commitment and high school recruits lack of commitment. How in the hell are you taking visits when you're committed? Well, it's shit like this. This coach, James Coley was here for five minutes and then turns around and takes Georgia job, same position, wide receivers coach. If the coaches show no loyalty whatsoever, why in the hell are the players going to, I mean, this is, these are the the men leading them They're This is the, their examples and they have no loyalty. So, I don't know. If you're going to have that energy for the players, I just hope you have it for the coaches. And mm, I just don't like it. I, I like when – I don't like when a coach – I don't even like when a head coach takes a job and one year later he bolts. We burn couches for that in this state, Lane Kiffin, just so you know. But uh, <laughs> uh, the last little news item here, Michael Rowley, you came in here hot right out the gate here. Billy Napier has named a co-offensive coordinator, Russ Calloway, who was already on staff. And this could be pretty interesting because there's been a lot of people calling for Russ Calloway, or excuse me, for Billy Napier to, to cede the play calling duties. Will that be Russ Calloway's role? It's my understanding that that will not be at this point in time. But, and, and I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing because all this negativity on Billy Napier and the Gators, I don't think any of it has to do with the offense, the quarterbacks. I think he's Billy Napier's done a hell of a job coaching up the quarterbacks. But we've had people on that that discuss the fact that Billy Napier, he's calling the plays, he's coaching the quarterbacks, and he's got to be the head coach. Maybe that's where some of the issues arise, where we don't know who we got on the field. We got too many players with this jersey on, that jersey on. It looks like it's a little bit more with it's, – it's just it looks like it's a little bit – too much on his plate. So maybe hiring a guy like this, Russ Calloway, to be a co-offensive coordinator will help because maybe at some point Billy Napier says, all right, maybe we got to give this guy a little bit more responsibility. He was already signaling in the play calling. So 
we'll see. And, and apparently Russ Calloway was getting a lot of NFL interest too. So this is this is a smart way for Billy Napier to keep him on staff. I think they're still going to hire an offensive line. They already have one offensive line coach in Rob Sell. I think they're going to hire another one down there in Florida. So the, the staff shakeup in Gainesville is not quite done yet, but just wanted to call attention to that. Appreciate you, Jared, for the five bucks there. <laughs> uh, Shane, where's Shane at? Shane is on vacation. He's in Florida. But once he's done with vacation, he's, he vows he's back. He's back to a normal schedule on the show, giving him uh, lots of time off here. But with spring football right around the corner, we're going to have to get into it. But Shane has not completely abandoned the show. If you've seen it online, this is all Shane's doing. And so I, I like to credit good ideas when they come out. Shane has been putting out logos of SEC teams and, and says, what's your first thought? Yeah, Shane's scouting Florida right now. <laughs> what is your thought when you see these logos? This is all Shane's doing again. So I'm going to throw up the Missouri logo. This is the one he started with here. And I, I'm going to give you a, some of you guys, you're, you're way funnier than we are. Some of these comments I just had to share. From Chad R., what's what's the first thing he sees he he thinks of when he sees this Mizzou logo? Eli Dorkowitz. <laughs> uh, that's a classic one. Uh, Dakota says the company waste management. Lush says, I don't care. Signed every Arkansas fan. And sports fan one, two, three, four, five says five wins in a row over South Carolina and standing. Own business. That's what he thinks of when he sees the Missouri logo. How about uh, Oklahoma? From John Mon, he says, "Long time cheats." <laughs> Michael Rose, he's throwing some respect on the Sooners. Fifty conference championships, seven Natties, seven Heisman winners, forty-seven game winning streak, and of course the Sooner Schooner baby. Pondy says, first thing he thinks of, Josh Heupel, and then. Credit Eric Strickland. He When he threw this out there, this is never in my life that I'd notice this. But if you look at the O in the white within the O, that's a white horns down in the middle of the Oklahoma logo. <laughs> I mean, how great is that? Now I'll never be able to unsee the horns down in the middle of the Oklahoma logo. How about the Tennessee logo? Th these were pretty good right here. What's the number one thing Bama fan 4102 says golf balls and mustard bottles. Mastodon Man says greatest fans in all of sports. Shelby Moon says the most corrupt athletic department in the history of college athletics, given all the scandals. I mean, he's he may have a point there. And then how about this Fala Dan Oracle? Nico and how he's about to light you MFers up for the next two years. I like that one. That's not me saying it, but that was him. And then last but not least, Alabama. What do you think of when you see this lo logo? Nathan Leake says, Nick Saban. Fortunately for Bama, he's gone. John Murphy's got to be a dog fan. He says, Kaylee Ringo. Mike Free, I appreciate you. This is copyright, though. But he says, Decaying Dynasty. You owe me money for that. And then Crimson King says, The capstone of college football. Greatest CFB program in the history of the sport. It's hard to argue against that. <laughs> <laughs> man you guys in the comments are pretty brutal too but uh yeah all right so hey i think that's all i got on this episode unless anyone wants to throw me any questions in the comments real quick 
just wanted to get something out there. I know th this is kind of the worst time for college football news, but like I said, spring football all across the SEC opening soon. So we're going to have tons of comment, tons of comments. Still trying to line up a couple guests for the rest of the week. Cousin Shane on vacation. As soon as he's back, we're going to be back firing up these live podcasts. Cousin Shane's working on his studio too, so it ain't just me doing the the setup behind me. He's going to have something a little bit fancier, he, he says. Shane says a lot of things, but doesn't mean it always happens. But will Shane going to run through the teed at Tennessee Spring? <laughs> if they invited him, I don't know if he could make the full sprint, so probably not. But uh, I would love to see it. So I appreciate that, Sam. Ninja Ninja, is Oklahoma actually broke? <laughs> I don't know that they're actually broke, but uh, they have been acting like it. They have been acting like they don't have the money, which is quite confusing because historically fantastic program. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate <laughs> Sam Man's trying to get Shane running through the tee. I'll have to, uh, maybe if he's, he, I know he is swimming laps in Florida. He told me that. So he's trying to get down. So, <laughs> all right. I think, uh, I think, I think that's all I got. I'll just, what I get a, a short one, but again, I didn't want to go too long without giving you guys a podcast. So stay tuned, We're trying to struggle our way through the off season. I, we really do appreciate each and every one of you checking us out. It's late February here. If you're checking out a show like this that's dedicated to college football, you're as crazy about it as we are. And we can't thank you enough. Without you guys, there is no show. So that's all I got on this one. We appreciate each and every one of you. We'll catch you on the next one. Hey, buddy. This beer's for you, Mike, and Cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the Pirate, and the Pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State.